from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Elika Mani on November 19, 2016. Elika is a vocalist, composer, pianist, and artist. She considers herself a world citizen. Her parents are from Iran. She was born in the U.S. She was raised in Kenya and now lives in China. Elika's love of music began when she was a child growing up in Africa. In between, she's lived in Israel and Hong Kong. Her music beautifully expresses the diverse cultures that have been part of her upbringing, blending and reflecting the influences of this varied background, drawing upon classical Western structures but incorporating instrumentation and styles from Iran to Ireland and China to Spain. Elika studied classical piano from the age of five. It was at that time that Elika began singing and setting the Baha'i writings to music. She produced her first album, called Melodies of the Nightingale, in which she collaborated with two close friends, Michelle Brown and Fiona Duman Ruhani. Since then, she has produced five more albums. We feature pieces from most of her albums in the interview. I started the interview by asking Elika where she grew up and what was it like growing up there. So I was born in the U.S. We moved to Iran when I was two. At the age of five, we moved to Kenya. So I was raised in Kenya all through high school. It's a beautiful country. It's uh, gorgeous surroundings, nature, the weather is exquisite. So I was really spoiled by beauty surrounding me. I remember traveling to school by bus and uh, on the way we would pass the National Game Reserve where many animals would roam freely and on occasion we would find baboons hanging out on the side of the road as we would drive by on our way to school. So I, I have some fascinating memories growing up there. So what was religious life like growing up? I remember traveling to the villages with my father um, in um, Kenya. We would visit the Baha'i communities to share the Baha'i faith. My father had learned the local Kikuyu dialect. Uh, there are many different tribes in Kenya, and one of them is the, the Kikuyu dialect, which the Kenyans of the central province of Kenya speak. So we would often travel to those areas. The friends there were so hospitable and kind. And I remember on one occasion, we had gone to visit the friends there, and they had slaughtered a cow in honor of our visit there. So I remember my father asking me to speak on a certain subject. I was very young at the time, and I was very shy I remember trying to find courage to say a few words. So I would often travel with my father to different uh, parts of Kenya and um, join him in his adventures of sharing the Baha'i faith with different local communities. 
So you grew up as a Baha'i? I did. I grew up raised in a Baha'i family. That's right. So one of the basic principles of the Baha'i faith is independent investigation of truth. For those who grew up as Baha'is, at some point they are called upon to make the decision themselves on whether or not to become a Baha'i. At what point do you recall, if you do, when you took on the Baha'i faith as your religion versus being a Baha'i because your parents were Baha'is? Yes, um, that's a great question. And I did want to mention that um, the principle of the independent investigation of truth, because as you said, you know, we have to find the truth for ourselves. And even though I was raised in a Baha'i family, I did have to find it and own it for myself and not just follow because my parents are Baha'is. So it was really once I left my family to go to Haifa, Israel, where the Baha'i World Center is. And during that year of service, I was volunteering as a youth there. And it was really during that year that I was able to to really understand the faith more, read more of the writings. I met youth from different parts of the world. So there was a wonderful sense of unity and diversity there in uh, Israel that year. So it was during that year and also after I got married where uh, my husband's very well versed in the Baha'i faith and we read a lot together and I was able to to continue deepening my understanding of the faith at that time. But, you know, one is always learning and deepening one's understanding as a Baha'i. So it's a continual journey of search and understanding and learning. So you're an accomplished musician. When did you discover the gift of music in your life? Well, music has always been a part of my life. My mother is a piano teacher and would often play classical pieces in the house. So I was exposed to music every day. And uh, my father was also a, a great lover of different genres of music. So I remember waking up on the weekends with his music playing very loudly so we could all hear it. Um, across our home that would wake me up in in the mornings on the weekend. And I started taking piano lessons at the age of five. So from a young age, I was exposed to music all around me. And so when did you publish your first CD? During my university days um, was when I started composing music and performing with two of my uh, dear and talented talented friends. I want to mention them by name because they were really the ones who encouraged me to sing and compose Michelle Brown and Fiona Duman Rohani. And we would often sing the hidden words and prayers together on different Baha'i holy days or different um, feasts. Every 19 days, Baha'is have something called a feast where we gather and we pray and consult and we socialize together. And so many of the friends had encouraged us to record the pieces that we would sing. 
So after I got married and uh, graduated from university, my husband and I decided to move to Hong Kong to serve the Baha'i faith there. And um, it was at that time that we decided, these uh, two friends of mine, we thought, well, since I'm leaving, this would be a good time to record our our album. And uh, within the span of a week before I left, we recorded the first album called Melodies of the Nightingale, which was recorded 19 years ago in 1997. So as you said, it's putting the Baha'i prayers and what Baha'is refer to as the hidden words. Could you explain to folks not versed in the Baha'i scripture what the hidden words are? The hidden words are beautiful, short meditational passages that Baha'u'llah revealed. Even though they look simple at the outset, there's a lot of deep meaning and hidden meaning, so one can reflect on these short passages for a long time. So we chose several of those for the first album, as well as a prayer for unity and a healing prayer. Those were what we recorded for this first album. And since then, you've produced, it looks like, eight albums. That's right, eight albums in the last 19 years. The first album I was um, honored to record with Fiona and Michelle, and then because I left, we didn't have the opportunity to record together again. Although in one of my albums, I was able to record a piece with Fiona once again. So that was lovely to, to be able to do that. All right, so I asked you to pick songs so that we could showcase them on this interview. So why don't we go ahead and proceed and do that. And as you do, maybe you can mention which album from which the song that you are showcasing comes from. So the first one is The Bird Which Soareth. And it comes from the album Fire and Gold, right? That's right. right. I had originally chosen a different song from Fire and Gold, but my mother loves this piece, so I chose this song in her honor. Uh, I thought I'd share a little bit about the album first and how it was conceived. Before coming up with a theme for the album Fire and Gold, I often thought about, and still do, about the state of the world and how so many people are facing difficulties and challenges in their lives. And I wanted to find a theme that everyone can relate to. So I chose the theme of tests and difficulties in our lives. And The Bird Which Soareth is one of the songs on this album, and it describes the relationship between the material and the spiritual world through the metaphor of a bird. And despite its freedom, this bird, it struggles in its longing for the things of the earth and finds itself so trapped by its desires that it's, it's really unable to, to resume its flight. So we live in this world, but we have to be careful not to be trapped by it or consumed by all the distractions around us. You know, it's easy to become attached to to the things of this world, just as this bird becomes enmeshed in the water of clay of this earth. So there's some beautiful symbolism happening in, in this quotation. 
this bird is a symbol of our lives and being detached from the material world so that it can continue to fly. In the composition, you'll hear the piano and, and parts of the flute trying to mimic a bird flying and fluttering in the sky, especially towards the end of the song. And I wanted to try to make uh, the song more meditative at the end so that the listener can really reflect on the power of, of these words. So this is called The Bird Which Soareth.
Now, Alika, this comes from, as you said, your third album, Fire and Gold, and it, I guess that comes from the Baha'i quotation that Baha'u'llah says, with the fire we test the gold, and with yes. the gold we test our servants. That's right. So this album is about tests, I guess, as you've said. That's right. It's, yeah. it's something that we all strive to overcome, the challenges that we face, which, you know, really without them, we wouldn't grow, we wouldn't mature. They're there to, to help strengthen our spiritual muscles. So this album means a lot to me. And, and from what I understand, it's helped a lot of people through challenging times as they reflect on the potency of the words in this album mostly from the writings of Baha'u'llah. The second song that you selected is called Final Journey. So why don't you tell us about that one? So Final Journey is from the album Glimmerings, which is a piano instrumental album. It's the fifth one that I released. Um, Glimmerings is quite unique because it's the only album so far that that is without vocals, although there are a couple of pieces that I that I sing without any words to accompany the piano. Glimmerings took 10 years to complete from the time that I thought of the idea and to when it was finally released. And I should really thank my husband as he was the one who encouraged me to do the album. He's a fan of my instrumental pieces. It honestly was one of the more challenging CDs to create as I had to practice many of the pieces for hours in order to perfect them. So this album is intended to be used more for personal reflection, for meditation, for devotions. I've even heard that it's been used at funerals. So I was really hoping that people would use it to help them reflect and calm down. You know, our days are so busy and full of lots of distractions. So I was hoping that this album would help us use time to have some quiet in our lives. An interesting fact about Glimmerings, it was named one of the 10 best New Age albums of 2012 from John P. Olson of New Age Music World, and it continues to be played often on internet radio around the world. So I'm really pleased that the response to the album has been quite uh, incredible. Uh, some of the pieces on Glimmerings are spontaneous, which means that I'll sit at the piano and I will record whatever comes to my heart in that moment. So this piece that I would like you to listen to, titled Final Journey, was composed in that manner. It was spontaneous. It was composed on the day of the passing of my mother-in-law. As I was mourning her death, I felt inspired by her soul's journey to create a piece in her honor the piece really reflects the ending of a chapter in her soul's journey and the beginning of her adventure in the next level of existence. So I, I, play, I wanted to play the piece spontaneous to allow my spirit to be guided. And um, 
It was a very special moment for me. You'll find near the end of the piece, the piano goes up one octave and it plays without the cello because there's a, a lovely cello melody playing throughout the piece. Which And so this ending of just the piano on its own symbolizes her soul dancing in heaven. So I'm sure her soul is rejoicing in the next world. So this is Final Journey.
so the third song that you selected is called Sweeten Their Souls. That's right. Sweeten Their Souls is from my seventh album titled Infinite Bounty. Infinite Bounty is a collection of Baha'i writings on the theme of detachment. I had envisioned it to be a little coffee table book with beautiful photographs of the ocean that accompany the quotations. I had wanted friends on my mailing list to contribute photos for the book as well as for the cover of the album. I love that they were able to help in the creative process. So Sweeten Their Souls is one of the more upbeat pieces on the album in terms of instrumentation and style. I remember when I first consulted with my producer about how to arrange the song, he felt it needed some underlying rhythm and maybe it it could be a band-like piece to bring it alive. And at first, I remember being a little hesitant But um, after reflecting, I decided that it would be quite exciting to have more diversity on the album. So Sweeten Their Souls is a duet with uh, Ali Youssefi. He's a talented musician who grew up in Chile. We've done a number of duets together. I wanted to share a little bit about the ending of the piece as the phrase sweeten their souls echoes over and over again. I wanted the listener to take these words to heart as they reflect on the essence of what the quotation is about. So I chose this quotation. They're very powerful words. I wanted to set them to music because of all the prejudice that exists in the world today. And I felt that this Quotation would be a healing balm. So another interesting thing that happened while I was recording this piece, I sang it many times over the course of an hour or two, and all of a sudden, as I immersed myself into the full meaning of the words, you know, because sometimes as we're recording a piece, it's easy to think in our heads and think very technically rather than letting go and allowing the emotions to to fill the song and give it more meaning. As I immersed myself into the full meaning of these words and I was able to let go, to truly let go, my voice took on a completely different tone during the recording. I remember my voice becoming much silkier, warmer and smoother, which I hadn't heard before. So I think, again, I think it was as a result of allowing myself to become an instrument of inspiration to pass through. It was truly, truly a magical moment. So this is Sweeten Their Souls. Sweeten their souls If they injure 
So the next piece that you are going to showcase is called Birds of Love. Birds of Love is a prayer for marriage. It is the title song from the album Birds of Love released in 2009, my fourth album. What's special about this album is that it's a book bound in gold silk with quotations on love and marriage from varied sources, and it also comes with a CD. I wanted this CD gift set to be a source of inspiration for people of all faiths. 
So there's a piece with lyrics from the Bible. There's a prayer for husbands written by Abdul Baha, who's the son of the founder of the Baha'i faith, Baha'u'llah. There's an Apache wedding blessing and a quotation about love from French author Henri Matisse. I wanted to create a spiritual gift that people could give to couples getting married rather than, you know, we usually give couples material gifts. So there are also on the album, there are instrumental versions of all the pieces so that they can be sung with the backtrack at weddings or on special occasions. So the inspiration for the piece was my friend was getting married and I wanted to compose a piece as a gift for her wedding and sing it as a surprise at the ceremony. Another talented friend of mine, Martin Kerr, he sings with me on this piece. I've actually had the bounty of singing Birds of Love at over uh, 10 weddings so far, which has been a real gift. So this piece, the instrumentation is is lovely. There's an oboe, a cello, a flute, which are so appropriate for the album. Another talented musician, Farshid Samandari, helped with some of the arrangements. And Jerome Matthew is the producer of the album. So this is Birds of Love.
So the next song you selected for presentation is called Amame. That's right. Amame is part of an album called Edge of Forever, which was released in 2013. It's a duet in Spanish and English from a hidden word of Baha'u'llah. This album, Edge of Forever, is is an album that reflects a wider range of my musical influences. So it's a collection of songs in diverse styles, such as Latin, world, new age, pop, Middle Eastern, and there's even a song with a little rock in there. The music on this album depicts the soul's desire to transcend the limits of the material world and to soar in the spiritual realm. So I collaborated on this particular song, Amame, with Ali Yousefi once again, as his voice always brings beauty to a song, and I think that our vocals blend really well together. Initially, we wanted to compose the song together, but living in two different countries proved to be quite challenging. So instead, I composed the piece in Spanish and English, and because I don't speak Spanish, Ali helped rephrase parts of the melody and where to fit the words so that the Spanish would flow better with the English. And because the song has a bit of a Latin flavor, we then decided to add some percussion. And our talented friend uh, Gustav Wayennes worked his magic with the percussion section. There's a part of the song where all the harmonies come in. Um, one of my favorite parts of the song, you'll hear towards two thirds of the song, it's filled with harmonies, which I love to create. I hope that you enjoy this piece. So this is Amame.
mi amor jamás llegará a ti. No Now the next song is called Daughter of the Kingdom. Daughter of the Kingdom is a single, so it's not part of any album. I'll describe a little bit about the piece and why I composed it. So for my daughter's 15th birthday, I wanted to compose a song in her honor. Turning 15 is a huge milestone on the spiritual journey in life of a Baha'i youth. And Baha'u'llah referred to it as the commencement of maturity. And in the Baha'i faith, it is the age at which a young person really begins to take on for him or herself the practices of prayer, fasting, meditation, as well as the study of the Baha'i writings. So I decided to surprise my daughter by setting a prayer for women to music. It's written by Abdul Baha, the son of Baha'u'llah. Recording this piece was truly emotional experience as I felt inspired while singing certain phrases in the piece. As you can tell, I have moments of many moments of inspiration in the studio. It's it's honestly, it feels like prayer to me when I'm recording a piece. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, the act of just letting go and allowing the, the spirit, the inspiration to pass through me. It was an emotional experience. And uh, certain of the lyrics moved me greatly. There's a phrase that Abdul Baha writes where he says, make her exalted among the daughters of the kingdom. And this phrase is repeated near the end of the song over and over and continues to build. And I wanted the music and the background vocals and harmonies to symbolize the angels surrounding and guiding her as she's spiritually lifted and enters the next phase of her life. So even though the piece Daughter of the Kingdom was written for my daughter, it was really, I wanted it to be dedicated to all young women turning 15 because this is such a special time in their lives. So this is Daughter of the Kingdom.
Lord, bestow heavenly confirmation, bestow heavenly confirmation upon this daughter of the kingdom, and graciously aid her that she may. Fast in thy cause, and that she may, even as the nightingale of the rose garden of mysteries, warble melodies in the upper kingdom, in the most wondrous tones, thereby bringing happiness to So there are other albums that you didn't select from, and I was wondering if you could just give the listening audience some idea what those albums offer to listeners. Sure. So we uh, we already talked about Melodies of the Nightingale, my first album, and a few years later, I decided to 
create a follow-up album to that titled Melodies of the Nightingale for the Family. That was released in 2001, and it includes quotations and prayers for parents, children, pregnant mothers, and a prayer for infants set to music. And then um, I guess there was one other album, um, Meditations for the Fast. That's right. That's my most recent album. It was produced in March of this year. The pieces on this album set passages from the Baha'i writings to music for the Baha'i Fast, which comes once a year from usually between March, the beginning of March till the Baha'i New Year, which is around March 20th or 21st. The Baha'i Fast is really a time dedicated to personal reflection and meditation. I know how music has such a great influence on illuminating and uplifting the soul. So I wanted to to create an album to be, you know, a source of inspiration during that time. One of the compositions on the album was composed with my son. So that was a lovely, special opportunity to create music with him. Realizing that you just completed this project, Meditations for the Fast, I dare ask, do you have another project in mind at this point? I do. I have several projects. There, I'm working on an album for the family. I'm also thinking about an album for the departed. You know, when loved ones pass away, I, I feel that music is such a source of healing a healing balm for those who who lose their loved ones. So I have already composed a few pieces for that. And there's another album I'm working on at the moment. It's in Chinese for the bicentenary for the 200th birth of Baha'u'llah next year. And I hope to create a few pieces also in English for this special occasion next year, which is truly a unique uh, time for Baha'is because it's the founder of Baha'u'llah's 200th birthday next year. So it will be quite special and unique for Baha'is all around the world. Alika, where can people find your music? People can find my music on uh, my website, elikamani.com, spelled E-L-I-K-A-M-A-H-O-N-Y. It's also on different digital sites. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. You can join the mailing list on my website. And once you subscribe to my music family, you'll uh, receive three music downloads, gift downloads from three of the albums from Glimmerings, Birds of Love, and Infinite Bounty. And I often share updates about new music and art projects that I'm working on. Well, Alika, thank you so much for sharing your music. Thank you for having me on, Warren. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Elika Mani, vocalist, composer, pianist, and artist. You can find her work at elikamani.com. That's Elika, E-L-I-K-A, Mani, M-A-H-O-N-Y, dot com. You can find this interview and other interviews at abahaiperspective.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. 
For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.